What is going on, Badger fans? Welcome to Locked On Badgers. Um, big show today. Really looking forward to this one. John Garcia Jr. is coming on. We're going to talk about uh, the Snowden news, plus get his deal on what's the highest upside prospect that the Badgers signed? Who's the safest? Who's the most athletic? We're going to get into all of that on a special post-signing day show on Locked On Badgers. Let's go. You are Locked On Badgers, your daily podcast on the Wisconsin Badgers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, Badger fans? Welcome, as always, to Locked On Badgers, one of your first listens every day, your team every single day. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we're just going to get into it because nobody's here to hear me talk right now. They're here for John Garcia Jr., post signing <laughs> day. John, as always, man, it is awesome to have you on the show. Yeah, likewise. Good to be here. Uh, heck of a day for for Wisconsin. I think all the first year staffs, the new staffs, kind of did a good job collectively. It, it's really not something you expect because these these guys are working with a matter of of days, maybe a week or two ahead of signing day. So it's always remarkable to me to see them actually sign kids where, where kids are like, "Hey, I, I still don't really know you, but I'll go play for you for sure." Yeah, some of these players don't even know who their position coach is going to be yet. Like that, right. the staffs aren't even filled out. Let's. I want to start here because we kind of touched on him in a previous show, but we held off because we weren't sure. Amari Snowden pulled the trigger, the 6'3 defensive back. I'm just going to call him a DB because people are talking safety or corner. I'm going to call him a DB out of Michigan. Huge get. Tell me about his game a little bit more now that we know for sure he's in the fold. Uh, Amari can do so many things, Ryan. Uh, I've seen him in person work at corner exclusively and and cover power five guys very comfortably. And I'm I'm not talking about in the boundary or in the phone booth near the goal line where it's more of a basketball situation. I'm talking in the open field, running routes, double moves, whatever it is. Snowden has that combination of obviously elite, elite length. But he's got this savvy. I mean, he plays receiver as well at the prep level. So he understands a lot of, of the route tree. He understands when the ball's coming out, the timing, the instincts here are really solid. Doesn't mean he's for sure going to play corner at Wisconsin. There's a lot to be sorted out there in addition to the transition from high school to college. But he's got the ability to do it. And that's not something we say about 63190 really ever. I, I think I saw, I think last year, there was a couple DBs that were tall like this, and we were talking about how hard it is to remain at corner, and we were using the NFL as, as sort of our guide. There are seven corners in the NFL. This was 2021. There were seven corners in the NFL above 6'1", so 6'2 or better. There's only seven in the NFL. So basically in the world, right, at the highest level, only seven guys with that kind of frame – are playing cornerback at the highest level. Uh, so obviously it is extremely hard and it's extremely rare, but in college there's a little bit more leeway. So I do think he has an opportunity to stay at corner. That said, the instincts, the ball skills, and the range jump off the tape. So to a degree, would you even want him at corner? You know, that, that's the other side of this, this conversation. I remember Minka Fitzpatrick coming out of high school elite corner i mean he could run he was physical he could cover anybody he was a great receiver as well and he moved to safety his senior year of high school because he was bored right because they weren't throwing him he's in new jersey nobody was throwing his way he's the best player on the field every game he moved to safety and he fell in love because now he could dictate more of the action 
support the run, move around a little bit more, use the instincts and the intellect. Some of the same things we say about Snowden. And I know I'm not comping him to Minka Fitzpatrick, but that move, even though he could play corner, opened him up for him to want to play safety. So I'm curious with Snowden in that frame, if that's something that could be a little bit more advantageous to some of his best traits, which are the range, the instincts, and the ball skills. So it's a very good problem to have. He could probably work the slot, play a little bit of nickel. He surely can be a boundary corner in the Big Ten. And absolute worst-case scenario, throw him at safety and let his his strengths be a strength of your defense. So this is a a fantastic and fascinating get for Wisconsin in a pinch. Um, You know, there's not many more intriguing players on this, this commitment list to me than Snowden. And it was not an easy, hey, he was committed to Cincinnati, so he'll just jump over kind of deal. A bunch of schools jumped in here. So I do think Luke Fickle on that staff deserves credit for winning this recruitment for a second time because in both cases they had to, you know, outmaneuver out a bunch of Power 5 programs. You know, what's interesting to me, and that's a great um, discussion on Snowden, by the way. We're, we're going to continue following where this goes with him position-wise. Um, it's interesting to me, and this is something Justin Jolka brought up, who comes on the show a lot. Why did maybe even Michigan didn't get in on Snowden in, in their backyard. This feels like the type of player that they would normally be very after. He thought they would. Uh, he, he was, you know, there was communication obviously throughout the, the the process between he and Michigan, but for whatever reason, they they wouldn't go through with that scholarship offer. Now, Michigan recruits a little bit differently, right? They're they're a little bit slower uh, to to the race. Uh, they they very much find their guys and go from there. The in-state pull. He is a Michigan kid. The in-state pool isn't seemingly as important to Michigan. They, 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 they recruit much more like they're recruiting the footprint, the Midwestern footprint, than they're recruiting Michigan first, for, for better or worse. Obviously, it's worked out pretty well here recently. Um, but that said, yeah, I was surprised, too. I, I thought at some point he would force their hand, uh, especially with a smaller class, right? Because in theory, a smaller class means you've got room to roll the dice a little bit. And clearly from an evaluation standpoint, there was something Snowden didn't present that made Michigan comfortable enough uh, to jump in. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious there, just like uh, I'm sure many Badgers fans are, um, but look, you're going to get to play against them at some point now. So I think that's where it, it looks a little bit better in the long run. And this happens all the time. I mean, like the best freshman running back in the country, Quinshawn Judkins is from Alabama. Alabama and Auburn just ignored him, you know, basically in the recruiting process. And he goes to Ole Miss and he's like breaks their single season rushing record. This happens all the time. The the the, ge- the geographical stuff in recruiting matters less now than it ever has. Um, we've got so much technology. There's so many avenues to see who can actually play that there's opportunities to go into your rival program states and pull out really nice players. And we see Wisconsin doing that in Illinois. We see them obviously in this case doing it um, in the state of Michigan. And that's something that will continue. There's everybody's got a different plan and, and a different body type that they want at a certain position. And sometimes that really opens the door for other programs. So I think it's easy to ask that question, but there's a ton of examples of that not mattering in the trajectory and improvement and overall game of, of some of the, the greatest players in, in the sport. I love it. Uh, I want to 
touched quickly, and we talked about Tretch before. Tretch Kekahuna uh, recommitted to the Badgers. A lot of people thought he was heading to Arizona. Dickel's staff got back on him. We've talked about his game before on the staff, but after a dominant season at Bishop Gorman, you know, has the evaluation potentially from your side changed on a guy like Tretch after seeing him play that well at a powerhouse? It should have, because that was the question mark, right? Coming from Hawaii, it was like, how can he assimilate? Although I know on this show we talked about, hey, I don't care where you play. If you're running routes like that, you're that polished, you're that comfortable after the catch. I don't care where you're playing. It's it's going to work. Um, and that's certainly what we saw at Bishop Gorman. He outproduced Zach Branch, who for all of us in this business is the best and highest rated slot receiver type in the entire country. So uh, I think that says plenty of, of his own game. Uh, we've talked about the polish that he brings to the table. So yeah, it should elevate everybody's opinion of him. I actually thought he was going to Oregon at one point. So to pull a Hawaiian away from multiple Pac-12 suitors that were kind of all in, really, really big deal for the Badgers. Uh, and obviously, this is a great get. This is a, a, a gap-closing type of get because these are the skill guys you need to flip that narrative. For sure. And going into a system that's going to spread defenses out now. Phil Longo's system coming from North Carolina. You're going to put people in space. And this feels like a perfect fit to put in that slot position. Put him in the Josh Downs role right now. Yep. Yep. Yep, I think so. All right, coming up, we're going to talk some signing these superlatives. Get John's take on best recruiting win, highest upside. Um, let's just keep digging through this recruiting class. A lot of fun. That's coming up next on Locked On Badgers. But first, today's show is brought to you by the National Highway Transport Safety Administration. Did you? And again, I've talked about this a lot. It's the holidays. Let's be safe, people. We're trying to be with family. We're trying to be with friends. Let's get through it without anything terrible, That at least things that we can prevent, right? And driving high is considered under the influence. Um, driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every single state. Even the states where marijuana is legal, it's still against the law to drive under the influence. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, your family can tell, um, law enforcement can absolutely tell. So driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time, change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by the NHTSA. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I want to thank everybody again for tuning in to Locked On Badgers. When you're done here, go check out uh, Locked On Sports Today, the biggest news of the day, all in one spot, wherever you get your podcast, the Odyssey app. And let's get John back on here because, again, this show is nobody's here listening to me right now, John. They are all here for you. Uh, let's let's get into it. Um, signing dates for relatives. I want to start at the top. Who, what was the biggest recruiting win of this class? Oh, that's a great question. It's probably Cole LaCrue just because – as time went on, for just even being in it for him, I thought was a big deal after swinging and missing at Keen Holtz and some of these other guys. 
and then surviving the coaching change and different style that is obviously coming to Madison. I thought that was really impressive because a lot of these teams went in scramble mode at the quarterback position, uh, big flips late in the cycle, right? Michigan state flipped Sam Levitt from Wazoo. Um, Keen Holtz flipped from Washington to Ohio state, Dante Moore flipped uh, from Oregon to UCLA. So everybody kind of went scramble mode, Oregon then flipped Austin Novosad from Baylor yesterday. So it, it became a really big scramble mode. And when that happens, the quarterbacks that fall upwards are the mobile, athletic, productive types that we weren't talking about in the offseason. So a Cole LaCrue would have been an ideal candidate for one of these schools to say, oh crap, we missed on our guy. Well, let's take a let's take a chance. Let's take a chance at this guy. So there would have been so many very linear and logical reasons to say they're not going to keep him. They're not going to be able to hold on to him. He's going to grab some. I mean, look, you know, Dion came to Colorado, right? I thought about it. I thought about it when he got the job. Like, hey, do you make a phone call? I know his his son was coming over, but, you know, Shador's played a couple of years, right? That eligibility is going to run out at some point. So I thought about that almost immediately when I saw Dion going there because I didn't think he would go to Colorado in the first place. But anyway, so I, I think LaCrue optically – uh, because of all the circumstances that could have easily pushed him out of the class, probably the biggest get. Um, I love, I love the Cincinnati guys they brought over though. Um, th- these guys, again, easily could have ended up elsewhere. Uh, could have stuck with Cincinnati, or when that door opened, as Fickle made the move, we know the Power Five programs all jumped in on these guys. So Braden Moore, Snowden, who we just talked about, in particular, I think those guys could have easily ended up elsewhere. So it's really some of these late additions uh, that I think will profile as the biggest gets for this Wisconsin class. But we also know, look, what, 14 guys on board? We know there's room for more, right? So I do think that we're going to see the evaluation chops of Luke Fickle and this staff going forward. Because if you want to hit some some more high schoolers, you really got to search far and wide because we know the bulk of them are already officially off the board. Uh, so I think that's a good uh, part to keep in mind as well. We could see Wisconsin attacking this class all the way through February. Uh, that's a great point. I want to get into that a little bit next to kind of what comes next for recruiting in general in this class. Um, let's go next year. Next superlative highest upside player. If everything comes right, who's, who's the biggest star out of this group? Oh man, it's probably Tretch. I, I think the only questions are, are about his frame. He looks slender, uh, kind of like Puka Nakua uh, out of BYU. He's had some injury issues in college and in high school. We loved him, polished, productive, but he's just so slim that you're like, man, is he, he going to just get beat up a little bit? So I, I think with Tretch, that's the biggest question mark. He's answered all the other questions we had based off of his senior tape at Bishop Gorman. Uh, I think he could be the guy that is – a leading receiver on this roster for two or three years. I mean, I think he could be that type of producer. So I think that would surely, uh, you know, give him uh, give him some credence for that category. I think LaCrue, if everything clicks, I think he could be a, a hidden gem. I think he could be, like we talked about this, this whole, you know, stretch with him. I think he could be a nice um, bridge to, you know, the transition to whatever the future is going to look like. Um, if if you have to throw him out there in the next couple of years, I think you feel okay about it um, because he brings so many of those modern traits. And then that offensive system 
um, you know, is tailor-made for for a guy like this. I mean, is, is he, just from an athletic and opportunistic standpoint, is he so different than a Sam Howell uh, at North Carolina? Not really, not to me. Um, different styles, but in terms of what they both do well, it, it, a lot of it is, is the unconventional. Um, so I, I do think if that clicks, that will probably profile uh, that way as well. And I know your audience, as I say this, I'm like, they got to be happy. We're talking about offensive guys yeah, yeah. With, with the highest, uh, the highest upside. But yeah, those, those are the two that, that my brain uh, automatically jumped over to. Cause I, because I do think on the other side of it, you've got a lot of high floor players where we like, we'd like where there are, where they're at right now. We're like, we're good with that. Uh, you, that's usually viewed as a negative. I don't view it that way. Um, if you've got a high floor, you can come in and compete right away. Uh, so there's a lot of that in this class as well. But on the other side, yeah, I'm going to the offensive side of the ball because if, if it's all going to click with those two guys in particular, it, it's going to be, you know, we're going to look back at this class and say, man, that, that was such a great get uh, the, the more uh, time goes on. Yeah, and I got two more quick superlatives here. And I, By the way, everybody's stoked that you went with Tretch and Cole. They are, you nailed it on the, on the head. There's a bunch of people in the Badgers community that really follow recruiting that they love Tretch. They're so excited for him. So yeah, you're nailing that one. Uh, let's go here. And I agree with you. That was actually my next question. I don't think a high floor guy is a negative at all. Like that's if you get safe players that are going to be productive, solid starters out of that's that's all that's winning. That's the home runs, right? Right. So who on this list to you is that high floor guy that you'd be stunned if he didn't become at least a productive power five guy? For me, it's Braden Moore. You know, if there's a more Luke Fickle guy in this class, you know, point him out. Uh, because I think Braden can do everything from the safety position. He can uh, certainly play deep, play the football, all that stuff. But it's really the underneath stuff that is so intriguing for me. Nickel uh, coming off the edge, playing physically. Um, you know, I, I think he can do three different things on three different downs but based on, you know, who you're playing and the scheme and all of that. Uh, he's physically ready to go right now, six one, six two right around 200 pounds. So physically he's ready to come in day one and contribute in, in some way, shape or form. He, he could even in a pinch profile as like a sub linebacker, you know, in, in your nickel or dime package. I think he is that physical, you know, to occupy that kind of role on third downs, even if you assign them to a slot receiver or a running back. So that type of versatility is very hard to find, especially when it's athleticism that combines with physicality, usually you've got one or the other, right? With Snowden, we're like length, range, speed, ball skills. We'll see with the physicality as his body rounds into Big Ten form. With more, we already have that answer. Uh, so that's why he gets the nod from a floor perspective. I'd be shocked if year one, year two, he wasn't a, a very consistent contributor uh, up in Madison. All right, last superlative here. For whatever reason, whether it's just film you really enjoy, someone's journey you've really enjoyed, who is your favorite prospect in this class? Oof. I, uh, it's probably Snowden, if I'm being honest. I mean, it's I've probably gave that away <laughs> earlier. I, I think he's, you know, if it hits there, it, it becomes its own thing. Um, it becomes, can we, you know, do we, how do we avoid tampering for other schools trying to come in and, and pull him out because yeah if you click with that kind of frame and game uh it's really easy to root for easy to see uh so he's probably my favorite recruit but yeah i mean i i love lacrue uh i i like um jace arnold from from marietta uh i like ashcraft i mean he's you know i, I wasn't as familiar with him until 
his recruitment got juicy late in the game, but I think he's got a lot to bring to the table as well. And every offensive recruit feels like he's got a higher ceiling because we know the scheme is so wide open. If you look at North Carolina the last few years and you remember some of those kids as recruits that are superstars now, not Josh Downs, we all knew he was the guy, but everyone else on this Carolina roster the last couple years, besides Downs and Howell, a lot of them weren't the most heralded. Um, But here they are making huge plays at opportune moments. So this scheme kind of gives you a higher ceiling in and of itself from a production standpoint. So, yeah, I mean, I think when you look at favorites, you got to go to the offensive side of the ball most likely, but I'll I'll go with Snowden anyway because I just think he's, he's way too intriguing. That's awesome. Uh, That's a great list of people. All right, coming up, we're going to take a quick break and just continue wrapping up early signing day. And what comes next for this class and recruiting in general? That's coming up next on Locked On Badgers, John Garcia. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in. As always, uh, John Garcia Jr., uh, Locked On's Recruiting Insider. John, I definitely want to give you an opportunity really quickly to share where people can find your work, especially during these this time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had a live blog all day yesterday at SI. I don't even know how many posts went up, but we covered it raw and, and from the hip uh, for you there. We got some fresh rankings out this morning. Uh, we used to f- say the final ranking, like this is the signing day champion, but now it's like, I don't think we can say that anymore. So the rolling rankings, as we'll call them, are, are updated, um, and, and there's a lot of uh, interesting movers and shakers there, uh, and we'll continue to cover that the rest of the way. There's still kids making decisions Thursday, Friday, so those will get updated uh, at some point. Yeah, so definitely check those out, or uh, or just bug me on Twitter, John Garcia underscore JR. So what comes next then from recruiting windows? And let's let's zoom out from the Badgers and just talk college football in general. What are you? You said the majority of high school players are obviously off the board. What kind of percentage of high school players, obviously rough swag here, but don't commit on signing day? Most every school signed every commitment that they had on board. So you're talking the average school, let's say, has 20 verbal commitments. And you do some quick math there. That is very much the bulk of the available power five or FBS talent that that was on the board. There, of course, you know, are, are glaring exceptions. There are some big time prospects still on the board, um, whether they were committed to a school going through a coaching change or they're just good enough to to wait because they, they are like Deuce Robinson, the number one tight end in the country. He's like, yeah, I'm going to wait till February. And everyone's like, okay, we'll see you in February. Cool. Uh, that's rare. That's rare for most kids. It's like, hey, I need to grab this spot right now because school X is going to recruit over me in high school or and or the portal. So I need to go grab, grab this spot as soon as I can. Um, but there's still going to be some intriguing players available, whether they are late risers, international recruits, which is something that's becoming a bigger deal literally by the month. I've seen more combines and people efforting uh, how to bring more athletes just from on the planet over to the U.S. to play college football. Uh, We're seeing those guys get developed and drafted uh, thereafter, by the way. So that's going to be a bigger thing. Those guys typically take a little bit longer to get everything squared away, transcript academically to get into college so those are usually February guys as well. And then you're you're outside the boxers, you know, the guys who are playing basketball, the guys who are only track, you know, that you have to convince, hey, you know, come over here and give us a shot. All those guys are still going to be available in addition to those from, you know, either obscure places or uh, for whatever reason, physically, they're limited, right? Um, the guys you take more chances on as 
current football players as opposed to molding them into what you want. Plenty of them are available uh, there as well. So I'm curious to see how Wisconsin attacks it. Um, you need more guys in the trenches. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, that's that's a no-brainer. You got to hit the trenches here going forward. Um, but look, a lot of schools missed on a lot of great players. A, a lot of schools have a lot of scholarships available because of that. So you're still going to see activity into the new year and certainly by signing day in February. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, trenches, and we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up here. No defense alignment in this class, but – Jamel Howard's out there. You know, obviously the guy between Michigan, Wisconsin, and seemed like yep. the two front runners there. He said he's going to wait. It feels to me like that helps Wisconsin if he's going to wait. Not to say not to say he's coming to Wisconsin, but it allows Fickle to get his staff in place and kind of develop that relationship. It always favors the schools that are going through the most change, right? It'll it'll afford time for other visits. It'll afford time to really dig into what that philosophy is going to look like uh, and it'll allow Wisconsin to hit the portal. Uh, they've already started obviously, but it'll allow them to continue to hit the portal and, and try to supplement where they can here in the meantime. I think for transition coaching staffs, the portal is most important, right? If you're going to hit the ground running like TCU did under Sonny Dykes this year, year one, Brian Kelly at LSU, Lincoln Riley, certainly uh, all the guys who did it the right way from a talent perspective in 22, it was great in high school, but they whew, they hit the portal. They hit the portal very hard. Uh, so I do think that is kind of the formula to hit the ground running. Uh, so we'll see Wisconsin do something like that, uh, I would imagine, here going forward. So, yeah, I, I do think there are some guys available in February uh, from the high school ranks that will be factors in this class, 100%. Awesome stuff, as always. Uh, John Garcia, Jr., try to get him on once a week. As always, we're very grateful for your insights, man. Uh, Badger fans really do appreciate when you come on the show. Always a pleasure, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, thank you, everybody listening on Wisconsin. We're going to keep it going. Uh, he is John Garcia, Jr.